This is part two of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. So, um, all right. Do, 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 do. Now, it was, okay, so I'm going to talk about how we're going to optimize these systems now. And we had 0.60 cords of wood, but it was a particularly cold winter. Now, I'm going to speculate that for a normal winter, it would have been 0.50. And with the windows not frozen open. um, (laughs) Right. And and 0.45, possibly, 0.45 cords of wood for a a mild winter. And we've had some mild winters where uh, um, the temperature never even got below zero. You know, so it'd be like a, almost like a, a cold Seattle winter mm-hmm. kind of a thing. All right, but let's start off by saying 0.50 would be normal. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now for this particular house, there are no curtains. Right. All the windows here have zero curtains. And, uh, there are blinds, but we generally don't do anything with the blinds. They're steel blinds. That one's not steel, is it? No, that one's plastic. Look at that one. Well, they're... I have plastic in my office. Ah, uh, they're, they, they they're mini the blinds. They're, they're mini the, blinds. They came with the house. The, yeah, they're terrible. But the thing is, is that there's no curtains. Uh, so there's, there's no, so normally what you would do, is that in the evenings when it gets dark, you would close your heavy winter curtains and they would protect the house from the cold that goes out through the window. And some people would even go so far as to have um, storm windows. Um, I've lived in several houses where you'd put the storm windows up every fall and take them down every spring. Um, and other people have some kind of thing that they do on the inside and possibly the outside where you put on an extra layer of plastic, clear plastic on the windows uh, to, to get some extra insulation. Um, so we could have gone with winter curtains um, and maybe even in addition to winter curtains, maybe some uh, window quilts or something like that to add insulation to the windows. Um, another thing that we could use here is an enclosed porch. Um, you know, so when people open up the front door, a lot of heat goes outside. You see it go, because once it gets, um, outside, it turns into this big billowing cloud of steam. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a hilarious looking thing. We, we definitely could use an enclosed porch. But that might bring us down to 0.45 cords of wood. I've got three changes that I would make to this rocket mass heater. And now, the great thing with this rocket mass heater is that it's relatively Gilligan proof. Mm-hmm. It has such a strong draw, it's, it's pretty hard to screw up. Right. But that means it's not a particularly efficient rocket mass heater. Um, this is an easy to use rocket mass heater. Um, but I've gotten, I've got three ideas for changes that we can make, and it would still be 
a relatively Gilligan-proof rocket mass heater, while uh, so while becoming far more efficient. So, first item: replace the stainless steel barrel with a mild steel barrel. Stainless steel is uh, not very conductive, not very heat conductive, um, and what, whereas mild steel is far more. So what we end up with is while it puts out a lot of heat, um, a lot of heat still ends up going into the mass. So then if we switched to a stainless steel barrel, then it would uh, not, I'm sorry, if we switched to a, from a stainless steel barrel to a mild steel barrel, a standard barrel, Right. It would throw off a lot more heat. It possibly even double. We would get double the heat out of the barrel. Um, for that, for heating the air in the room, basically, is how that works. Or it would be or radiant, radiant heat. Radiant heat or convective. Right. Yeah. So if you were standing, because yeah. like right now, when the rocket mass heater is going, I'll go over and I'll put, if, if my hands are cold because I was just outside or something like that, I'll hold my hands near the barrel. But I'm like getting my hands really close to the barrel to get the heat. But if it was a standard barrel instead of stainless steel, I'd probably be able to back off like five inches. Like I'm getting my hands like an inch away from the barrel. Right. But I'd probably be four or five inches away holding my hands to warm them just, you know, equally while fire's going. Um, the next thing I do, this is, this is an eight inch system. And I've posted this on Permies, uh, last year and I had a long debate with Peter Vandenberg over this. And then when Ernie was here, I had a long debate with him. I may have... Erica might have been around, but I I remember specifically having the discussion with with Ernie. So um, I'm going to say this thing, and the first thing that nearly everybody's going to think is, that's not possible. You can't do it. And so... Um, it's an 8-inch system, so we have an 8-inch vertical exhaust. <clears throat> and what I propose is to take out the 8-inch exhaust and replace it with 4-inch exhaust. Now, one of the things that we'll, we will gain from this is that the hole through the roof will be about a quarter of the size. Um, and that means that when the system is not running then there's less of this system that's being exposed to the to the cold outside there's much less exposure now if the system is not running and it's really cold outside you can um feel that and it's really cold i don't remember seeing any frost on it but i wouldn't be surprised if if one day we came out and there's a bunch of frost like a you know it's below zero and there's on the exhaust frost on the vertical exhaust um but you can hold your hand up there and it feels if it, it feels really, really cold. And so I'm kind of thinking that um, if we went with a 4-inch uh, stovepipe instead of 8-inch, um, then it'll reduce that. And at the same time, um, I mean, it slows the system down. Uh, uh, so then by slowing the system down, we end up with more heat in our system before it gets there. So right... So like when before we, it exits. Before it exits. We retain more of the heat. 
So back in January of 2015, um, when uh, we ran it for the first time, it ran uh, so hard that it sucked the flames off the wood. We couldn't keep a fire going. Uh, it kept sucking the flame off the wood. Um, and so we did things to slow things down, to slow the system down. Right. And and now the system still roars really strong. And I'm thinking, like, we need some stuff to, to slow it down a bit. Now, the first thing we that, that came up, like Peter brought it up, uh, was that, you know, you might be able to reduce it to a 6-inch pipe, but a 4-inch is too much. You can't get the exhaust to fit through there, especially as it's hot. So the thing I pointed out was a, was a couple of different things. A, our wood feed size has already been reduced 35% in order to help slow the system down. Mm. Um, the next thing is, is that if the whole system runs slower and we're extracting more heat out of it, because the, the thing that Peter was pointing out was that uh, steam expands so much, you know, so we, you know, our exhaust is steam and carbon dioxide, but that steam is so much bigger, you know, and so it's it's huge. And so the thing I said was like, okay, the rest of the system is still an eight inch system, but when you get to this point, then I wanted to, you know, reduce it down to a four inch system. But I've already, with my uh, steel barrel, I've already extracted so much more heat from the system. The wood feed's already reduced 35%. That by the time you get to this point, it's going to be cooled down much more than what the temperature is right now. Mm. And so now it's going to be much smaller. So we ran through a lot of different numbers and a lot of different things. And, and in the end, Peter said, um, he came up with some scenarios uh, where it could be troublesome, but um, they would be rare scenarios. But for the most part, it would work. And and um, uh, with the exception of this very rare scenario. Hmm. So, and, and then the third thing, the final thing that I would change is that when it gets to the point right now where the duct is horizontal and then there's an elbow to make it go vertical next to the barrel, right there I would add a kind of a U-bend. I would have it do a, a 90 degree turn that goes down, then a U to come up. And that would make all the duct that is inside the mass at this time become something of a stratification chamber. So then um, uh, the 8-inch duct would come up, and then I would I would uh, convert it to... Um, actually, I think I would do a U-bend down. Then I would convert it down to 4-inch duct. All right, let me do this again. Horizontal 8-inch, and then a 90-degree elbow going down. Then the converter to convert it from an 8-inch to a 4-inch... And then it goes down more, and then it does a U, and then it goes vertical up next to the barrel. So then the heat would stratify inside that 8-inch duct, and then the only stuff that would get sucked out would be the coolest stuff at the bottom of the duct, and the warmest stuff would stay inside the duct. Now, I have heard, overheard enough rocket mass heater conversations, and this is probably something you've discussed already, too. But typically, um, the exhaust gradually goes up, goes up, gradual, gradual, as, as it goes through your mass, 
And then when it comes back up next to the barrel, the heat of the barrel heats the exhaust to help further work like a siphon to pull it up. Um, and that... Uh, there have been rocket mess heaters that have exhaust systems that don't gradually incline, gradually go up. When they go down, they have typically failed. And I think you're thinking this could go down right only, it would only work because of the siphon action of the exhaust right next to the barrel. Right. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. The siphon action would be likely be enough to overcome that exhaust tube going down. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. See, I know something about the, how these are built. Are you impressed? The tertiary thermosiphon. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Right. But, yeah, that still sounds like that could be a little risky in a way, too. Well, and and this is Wheaton Labs, where we're going to do experiments. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, the key is that by doing all the changes that I just listed, I think we can get it down to 0.25 cords of wood. And so that is such a ridiculously teeny, tiny bit of wood that I, I think, you know, that would be rather profound. Now, there are two further improvements that I would not do. And, and we've got some more things that we can do that will improve it further. More so, I mean, like the whole concept of having a hot water bottle that you somehow put into your pockets, you know, <laughs> those kinds of ideas. But let's set those aside. Here are two modifications to the rocket mass heater that I would not do, but would make a massive improvement in its efficiency um, if you have freakishly huge amounts of human discipline. And so uh, that is the whole... We did these over in the library, which we right. used to call the office. Right. Uh, and that is the guillotine. So basically the fire is... Guillotine. That, uh, guillotine. Yeah, that's... Guillotine. So I'm not French. Guillotine. I'm not French. <laughs> I'm not French. <laughs> and so it's it's the thing I eat, the thing that's that buttery pastry. It's a croissant. And and in France, they're going to pronounce it like, <laughs> and it's like, the fuck you just said? It's a croissant. And so this thing is a guillotine. Guillotine. <laughs> so I, I, I respect the fact that most French-speaking people will not understand the word I'm saying. And I'm okay with that. And what's that? That lovely little pastry that you make once in a while? It's a clafouti. Clafouti. <laughs> it's a clafouti. So, um, all right. I'm not going to put in, I'm not going to plug the exhaust um, at the roof line. And so that's something that we did at, with the office. We had a contraption so we could plug the exhaust. The fire is out, we plug it. And then what we found was is uh, um, people would forget uh, yeah. to open it back up. And, and then basically the fire... Uh, would run great for about three minutes and suddenly it would smoke back like crazy. And so what it's doing is, is it's pressurizing all that duct that's in the mass 
and uh, with all the smoke, and then finally it's full pressure and it can't get out. Yeah. So then, so then it starts to smoke back. Yeah. Uh, the other one was is the uh, the bypass, which is another one that we have in the library, and um, the bypass is installed with one intent to help with starting. Um, but in the end, we didn't use it for that. But what we did use it for, um, which could be optimized, is that when you're getting down to the end of the burn, you could activate the bypass. And then at the end of the burn, then the exhaust would just go out the roof, um, but it would bypass the mass. And so then um, if it continued, like if you left it that way for the rest of the night, then um, rather than sucking heat out of the mass uh, all night long, it would um, bypass mass. Right, which so, preserves the heat that you want to stay in the mass to yeah. slow release over time. Yeah. So uh, two um, really smart things. But then what would happen with that one is, is that people would forget to unbypass right. and charge the mass. And so it's it's like, you know, human discipline fails. And so it's kind of like, so these are two things that I will not add to this system in here. So this system stays a very simple, very passive system where you, there is no guillotine and there is no <laughs> bypass. People are going to vote <laughs> for which way they like to say it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, those are those. Are, now, but the next the, the next item that you can you know there's there's further things that you can do that mm-hmm. you know that we could have done that we could do, and so one of them is this this item of heat people inside of the whole house, and uh, so I wrote that article and made the video how I cut eighty seven percent off my electric heat bill that was when I was in Stevensville. And um, we could effectively do things like that. I mean, I spend, I mean, first of all, do. at night, you, you spend a good eight hours a night sleeping in a bed, um, you know, over in a far end of the house. Yeah. And, um, uh, and you know, I've this year I I did uh, that for for reasons I used hot water bottles a couple of times, um, and uh, uh, but that's that had to do with my health at the time it had nothing to do with no one else wanted a hot water bottle. Um, <laughs> well, and, and the house was actually quite warm. And you still do this in your office too. You have a light right above your head mm-hmm. that heats your head, and you have a dog bed heater for your feet. I mean, right. You, you I don't go- have the, the 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 heated keyboard and heated mouse that I had. The heat, like uh, the heated keyboard, all the um, letters and numbers wore off, <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out I needed to see that. <laughs> uh, and then the heated mouse, I don't remember. Um, where that went? Well, yeah. well, no, I uh, I stopped using it for some reason. Like there was something wrong with the mouse, mm, you know, yeah. and so I stopped I stopped using it. Um, so I don't have it here, but um, uh, yeah, I mean I'm on a far end of the house and. Um, I'm right up against the window, and and so I I have the dog bed heater. I don't have the like right now. I'm perfectly comfortable, and my feet are not on the dog bed heater. Um, and you have bare feet, and and instead of me, I usually wear wool wool socks. I like to feel the heat on the dog bed heater. You you go barefoot all winter. Most people put on wool socks. That feels kind of nice. Yeah, I I I like that. So. 
Yeah, so there are other things we could do. Right. We could now, just if you're keep... doing this, if you're heating people instead of the whole house, and, and yeah. we're not talking about using a 1,500-watt um, space heater. Right. No, no, no. What we're talking about doing is where you have extra incandescent lights around people, mm-hmm. which is nice in the wintertime, a little bit of extra brightness and stuff like that. And it's pointed, it's cl- move them close to the people. Don't, mm-hmm. not ceiling mount, you know, move them close to the people. And, um, and, and then, uh, the other thing you could do is you could put the dog bed heaters with rugs at the foot of couches and chairs and just leave them plugged in. I mean, they're designed to be plugged in all all day, every day. And, um, and when I put them on the kilowatt, this one doesn't have a fabric over it when it's just open like this and the room is cold because like I measured it in Stevensville when I was doing the big test it consumes 15 watts each hour so if you had like I don't know like let's say you had six of them around the house where people were standing a lot or sitting a lot or whatever then that would be 150 watts total um, which you know turns out it's if you're on the grid it's it's not particularly significant right but then um if if you can like then keep your house 10 degrees cooler and now during that experiment i kept the house 20 degrees cooler i i kept it at 50 right and um and then i was very comfortable I mean, we called it a heat bubble. In fact, I even took the experiment further and went to, like, I think I had it down to uh, um, 42 um, for a few days. And I just bundled up more. um, and it, But it worked. Right. right. But I was doing 50 for most of that winter. And I think the normal people in their house, they might keep it at 60, you know. Right. And and then have some extra incandescent lights where people are hanging out. And if they happen to be not hanging out, they're at the moment you turn off the lights, you know? Um, uh, but I think that that would be something where it's like now you keep your house at 60 and you probably feel perfectly comfortable for all the time that you're sitting on the couch or sitting on the chair or working at your desk or whatever. Right. All right. Next item. Um, uh, oh, note... That if you if you are going to keep your house cooler, you could have moisture issues. Yeah. Now one thing we did during the um, uh, during last winter is that uh, we tried to consciously use fans less, fans that were hooked up to the outdoors. Um, so we tried to because you know we're heating the air. And so we're trying to do all the standard tricks that a normal American household does to keep the warm air in. So uh, rather than using the bathroom fan when you take a shower, then uh, we would run a dehumidifier. Um, and then uh, uh, for the kitchen, rather than running uh, the, the kitchen fan, we had an air cleaner that, we, that was there, and we would run that. And so if we were cooking something and it made a lot of smoke or something, then you know we would run the air cleaner. Well, and and we the dehumidifier was really helpful for a number of reasons um, because we had on some days on feast nights we would have eight people showering and you know I think most three bedroom households would not have 
the steam from eight people showering. That's that's just a lot of steam in the air. So the dehumidifier really helped with that. Plus, when you're cooking for, you know, eight to 12 people or people are cooking all different kinds of things, especially if they're boiling water a lot, that's a lot of moisture in the air. Plus, we line dry our clothes, and um, I do sometimes hang them outside in the winter when it's frozen out, um, but not very often. Not It's not all that practical because they don't dry all the way in a day. So we typically hang clothes to dry and linens and towels to dry inside, which adds moisture to the air. So while a lot of people will put a uh, a tea kettle on their wood stove because they feel the wood heat is so drying and they want more moisture in the air, we've had too much moisture in the air here. Yeah. And, and yes, and if you're keeping it even cooler, that moisture is going to just turn to mold and mildew. I'm super sensitive to that stuff, so we like to comb and clear that moisture and out of the air. Mysteriously, we happened to already have a dehumidifier. Yes. Because you come from Seattle. <laughs> yes. And I had lived places with moisture problems, and the dehumidifier almost made it livable. Um, and so that was another thing, too, is we would choose to not run the clothes dryer. We don't run the clothes dryer very often anyway, but a lot of people would come by and it's like, oh, can I do my laundry? And then they, you know, yeah. would choose to do that. And, and so we were kind of like being really emphatic, please don't use Because what it does is it sucks the warm air out of your house and blows it outside. And so um, uh, we were just choosing to not run the clothes dryer. Well, and what I've learned, we've, I've probably talked about this on Permies. We have a lovely, you know, saving energy by not using the clothes dryer thread out there. Mm -hmm. That's a really long thread at this point. But what we've learned is when you have a small room, like a bathroom, or and you put uh, a drying rack up in there with your clothes and you put the dehumidifier in that room, it ends up like a drying closet. And and, uh, the clothes last longer drying that way instead of in a dryer, you know, and I think it's still less energy used. And then plus, since we're needing to pull moisture out from the showers anyway, I feel like I'm pulling moisture out from the showers and from the clothes. So um, we we do that a lot. So, um, and, but, and plus a lot of the stuff that we did last winter, it was towards the end of the winter. We were we were further optimizing systems. I mean, it, it does seem like we got to the point where we were halfway through the winter and we had used 0.4 cords of wood, and I was kind of thinking like, you know, I think we could get it lower. And we kept coming up with little bits of ideas here and there on how to how to you know do a little bit better. Um, so let's see, uh, a katatsu. So a katatsu. Um, I mean, we're not going to use, we're not going to put in a katatsu. I mean, uh, um, so this is a Japanese uh, table that people spend the day sitting at, um, and it's a low table, and people sit on the floor. But in, in Japan, people sit a lot. They, they sit on the floor a lot, um, whereas we sit in chairs, and it's a kind of an oddity American thing, I guess. But the katatsu is where you get this low table, 
and it kind of has a quilt a skirt built into the table mm-hmm. and then there'll be a heat source under the table yeah um, and so when you come and, and you lift up the skirt on the table and you tuck your legs in and you sit there then your legs feel very warm yeah um, now, when I did the test, when I did the thing about how I cut 87% off my electric heat bill, I made, I took a quilt and I kind of made something Katatsu-esque on my desk. Right. And um, and because the dog bed heater was in there, then that was the heat source. Right. And it, the heat stayed in there better. It, yeah. And then I also attached another quilt to my office chair. And and so then when the office chair met the desk, then it completed the quilt. <laughs> and so it was a complete closed system. But I think you could do Katatsu-esque things, uh, not only with a desk, the way that I did with my desk in that experiment, but also like with the dining room table. Sure. You know, yeah. and, and you could have a variety of Katatsu-esque things set up throughout the house. Yes. Um, more incandescent light where there are people and move the light closer to people. Um, and then I already mentioned the things about dog bed heaters with rugs at the foot of couches and chairs. Um, doop 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 Oh, and then in the year before last, or even during last year when I was doing the experiment, and there are so many people calling bullshit on our claims that um, I want to point out that every single fuckwit with bullshit on their lips (laughs) picture that (laughs) Um, they do not have a rocket mass heater and and a lot of times and this is something that I have found over the last nine, eight years that I've been doing some rocket mass heaters is that a lot of the people that are the loudest and bitchiest about rocket mass heaters and like, that'll never work! It turns out those people make a living building masonry stoves. Yeah, or if 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 they had to admit it might work, they might have to change their own paradigm and their own lifestyle. So, you know, people oh. just don't don't want their own lifestyle, their own rightness challenged. So now there's a lot of people in the in the masonry stove community that are grooving on rocket mass heaters. And they've got reasons why sometimes they build a masonry stove and sometimes they build a rocket mass heater, you know, and, and they're glad to talk about both and they love both and things like that. But there are some people where I, I think what's going on is that um, uh, a masonry heater is so much better than a conventional wood stove. But it's three months to build one and a minimum of 10 grand just for the materials. Uh, and so, you know, they don't want to give up their job. They don't want people to switch to a rocket mass heater, um, which can be built so fast, so cheap, um, and is more efficient. Well, we've mentioned your DVDs a few times, and those are at richsoil.com slash... Heat. Heat. Um, so you can find those there. But what we haven't mentioned yet are your rocket stove mass heater, rocket mass heater myths. 
video series. Right. Uh, you just finished season one. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, you had some great editing help and and filming help um, for these, and and. Um, so at your YouTube channel, YouTube slash Paul Wheaton, you know, YouTube.com slash Paul Wheaton. Right. So. And so what we did was, is at the Jamboree this year, uh, then um, I sat down with uh, the innovators mm-hmm. and we uh, threw to them question or not questions. Actually, it was um, I, I copied it right off of uh, a Reddit shitstorm where this um, I'm. I should be a better person, but I'm going to not be a better person because it's more delicious that way. Where a dumb fuck who called herself an engineer um, uh, wrote dumb fuckery. About rockets so massive. Basically, and, yeah. and, and, you know, so she said she's an engineer who specializes in, um, uh, energy efficiency for buildings. Yeah. And, uh, that's her specialty. Right. And, and so then she would say a rocket mass heater cannot blah, 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 blah. And, you know, all kinds of statements like that. And, and so I think we ended up with nine videos. There's, there's nine, um, episodes uh, in season one, all on YouTube, available for free to watch right now. I should also say, along those lines, would not have ever been done if not for the support at Patreon. Yes, that's cool. Yeah. And so that was, I mean, basically, um, that money went directly to Dan uh, Omen, who did the editing. Right. And, and who like who has his in. own YouTube channel, yeah. Grass-Fed Homestead, and um yeah, he's so, doing he's doing a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, um, but but the, you know, all right. So yeah, that's uh, I think that turned out to be an amazing series as we addressed dumb fuckery brought on by dumb fuck uh, a particular dumb fuck engineer. Uh, but the thing is, is that this flavor of dumb fuckery, I mean, it 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 has been has been brought up many many times before, and uh, but this person just stated this stuff in such extreme dumb fuckery and the fact that she's um, gone out to say that she's an expert. And I've actually met this woman and I, I want to go on record as saying she is a dumb fuck. She is stupid. And she is employed as an engineer, which kind of shows that her employers are dumb fucks also. Um, because for hiring this stupid, stupid, arrogant twit um, uh, you you have, have a rant. Up? You have a rant to give about this, yeah. a- and this provided great fodder for an educational series on YouTube. So, it did. And it did. and the people, um, if people hadn't called bullshit on how much wood we were using, we wouldn't have so carefully tracked it last year. Most people are not familiar with your ability to estimate. Uh, there's something about the way your brain works. Like you said, well, I think oh, we use. I'm an engineer too. I no. know, but <laughs> but um, the way you estimate and track things um, with numbers and figures and stuff does not cease to surprise me. So when you said, oh, I think we used about half a cord, and then we measured it, oh yeah, it was about half a cord. So that just to me shows. Uh, is more evidence of how well you are at now I, I do think that uh, in, the, 
in the previous year when I said it was about a half a chord, mm-hmm. um, I think that uh, we we allowed more air to pass through. But at the same time, we allowed it to get cold once in a while. Yeah. Whereas I felt it was really important when we measured that we've got to keep the house warm because a lot of people will be like, oh, I just let the house get cold and I hardly use any wood. Right, right. <laughs> and it's like, no, we got to keep it warm. warm. Right. And and so uh, that's that's a critical component. But at the same time, we can be efficient and we can be smart and, and be picky. All right. Now, I... The, the thing that bothers me about um, dumb fucks uh, and rocket mass heaters is that I believe that rocket mass heaters will solve so many world problems all at once while saving people thousands of dollars. I mean, like right now, people, I mean, for most people, heat is more than half of their energy consumption. And and it's like uh, uh, and the environmental disaster that's on the other end of that pipe or that wire is profound. Yeah. And and it's kind of like uh, um, if if you want to solve problems and and you're not using a rocket mass heater or you're not even willing to say that phrase out loud, then then that's that's kind of fucked up. And it's like so why why is it that rocket mass heaters aren't a hundred times better known than they are now. And I believe the answer is dumb fucks. Because there's dumb fucks out there saying, that can't possibly work! That's impossible! All that fucking hype! And and it's like, nope, we've got the numbers. We've, we've done the work. We've done the legwork. And you're just a dumb fuck that that says the word hype. Well, we we have a, a society that has all these supposedly built-in things to keep us safe. Like, is it UL listed? Is it this? Is it this? Is it insurable? Is it, the, you know, we have all of these things that supposedly say protect us and make a better world, but when you follow the money... It's a lot of times about money more than it is about safety. So, so there's, there's complicated issues besides just the people saying it'll never work. Well, the, the moral of the story is, uh, please take, check out the, uh, the Rocket Mass Heater Myths yes. series. Um, yes. nine videos. Um, and so it's not just me. It's, uh, uh, Ernie and Erica and Peter and Donkey and Chris and, and Uncle Mud. Um, yes. and so it's, it's quite a, a, a great group of, of people. So, you know, uh, if nothing else, it's, uh, if it's going to be fallacy, it's going to be the bandwagon fallacy because that's a hell of a bandwagon. These are, <laughs> these, these are great experts. And of course, there's a lot of experience with rocket mass heaters there. Right. And so, um, anyway, I, I just kind of feel like, Rocket mass heater stuff is so critically important, and this is the time of year. It's December right now. This is this is the time of year when people are willing to listen, and and it's uh, it's great when people come by and try this stuff out, and and they are shocked at how much heat they get from so little wood, mm-hmm. and that's it's difficult for them to go back to using a conventional wood stove, because it's like the you know that's a lot of wood to be packing around. Yeah, we've got. Um, do we, uh, is this the last page? This is, this is the last page. So just a few, 
few more bits. Okay, so bits and bobs. Oh, I think we covered a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, bits and bobs we did during the test, mostly at the end. Um, minimizing bathroom kitchen fan use, uh, minimizing the use of the clothes dryer, um, cooking plenty. I think you did cook last winter more yes. just to try and add heat. Well, I I just was spending more time in the kitchen besides boost nights, you know, and then I would run our convection oven has this awesome food dehydrator mode. <laughs> My food dehydrator is broken, so I was using the oven at night in food dehydrator mode and, you know, doing oh, yeah. so more, dehydr- more crock pots, more oven use, that yeah. kind of stuff. We, we've, uh, we have less people around this winter and we've really, uh, reduced our food intake, you and I, so it's a lot less cooking. So we did something that really bothered me, but I kind of felt like it was legit, and that was to leave some lights on overnight. I mean, yeah, that was weird. That yeah. was because yeah, I just I'm used to following every. I mean, like going out a dozen times a day, turning the lights off when they're not in use, and there's like nobody in the room, but somebody left the lights on, and then there I am, like leaving the lights on all night, and right. I'm thinking like, okay, um, a I know heat comes off these lights. And, they're all incandescent. Yeah. And I know that in most homes, they leave a lot of lights on all night long. And so it's like, and if we, we do it a little bit, that's we did legit it in, for a test. In part to compensate for the lack of curtains and the lack of a... You know, I, I thought it, I didn't think bit. it was, I didn't think it was for lack of curtains and lack of an enclosed porch. I thought it was to bring okay. balance to the force with other households. How other households. So like the other households it. test, I mean, a lot of them have lights on 24 seven. Okay. And so it was maddening, but I, <laughs> I, I, I did it. Uh, using the dehumidifier, uh, um, oh, we used the house air circulation a few times. Right. So our furnace which is a forced air heater, we would turn the fan on without the heat just to circulate the air. Yeah. I mean, we only did it like four times all winter. It's so noisy. Yeah, it's crazy. Ah, Noise pollution in the house. (laughs) So, oh, and then I got here, I don't hear about closing the windows. Um, And I think it was probably January or February when we finally got to closing (laughs) all the windows. We should have. We could have gotten a hair dryer, which I don't even use. I think we have one just for, That's it. Uh, for as a tool, not as a hair appliance. But I suppose we could have tried to melt the window with a hair dryer or something to get it closed earlier. <laughs> if that happens again, probably be doing that. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a lot of hassle. We just thought it would warm up, you know. So we've. Uh, we have some snow again on the ground now. We haven't had snow for a while. You know, we've had some weeks where it was pretty muddy. You know, that's kind of more the typical winter here. You know, you'll have the crisp and cold days, but then you might get into where it's warmer and gets kind of muddy again, and then it gets crisp and cold again. So, So, I mean, a, a Montana winter is a lot like what, people think and at the same time it's it's some people think that it's like we're locked under 
eight feet of ice all winter long. Yes. And I know it's, it's I have not to like dig that. out of the snow I mean, drifts. It's it's a lot colder than uh, a lot of other places, but it's it's uh, it's not eight feet of ice. Um, so the I, I mean, bottom line is this rocket mass heater is uh, this is its fourth winter of use. Um, and one of the things we try to do is um, talk about a rocket mass heater after it's been through one full winter. Um, uh, because there's a lot of people out there that are putting videos up on YouTube, and this drives Ernie and Erica nuts, um, where they show the build, but they don't they do not do a recap. Okay, here we are several years later, right? you know, kind of a thing. So They really feel any device you're building yourself should be vetted, should be tested, should be, you know... Right, before you start telling everybody about, like, do this, because, and you just mentioned UL Listed, there is a rocket mass heater out there that you can get at UL Listed, the core, mm-hmm. um, and personally, I I would choose to not use it, but it's it's an all-steel core, right. um, and a lot of people are very happy with it, and it is one of those things where it's like they, it's a four-inch system, and it's air-cooled, um, so basically, they're running, uh, it works, because as a, as steel in the core, which we strongly discourage people from doing that, um, it gets hot enough to do a complete burn, but it's, it stays cool, um, so that way the steel doesn't melt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or spall. Yeah. Um, uh, because steel will spall at 1600 and melt at 2600. So it's like, it's just barely getting warm enough to do a full combustion and burn all the creosote and smoke. Right. But it's it's uh, it's skirting that edge. Yeah. Um, uh, but it is UL listed. Yeah. And so it's the beginning. Here they come. A whole right. bunch of cores getting UL listed. Yay. Right. And um, but but man, the the thing that for me. I just I, I think that people should be talking about rocket mass heaters a hundred times more than they are now, and I want to see there be a lot more demand for rocket mass heaters, so more people will build the cores, and um, so I don't know what to do, but I think that the the begin the place to start is we got to call out the dumb fucks, we gotta we gotta address the dumb fuckery, and so I made these videos so that if somebody goes out and um, they start they're they're in some like you know your town's permaculture mailing list, um, which is kind of where I first started seeing some of this. In fact, I think I was banned from the Portland Permaculture Guild mailing list because of a rocket mass heater dumb fuck saying nasty shit about Ernie and Erica. Right, and you came to Ernie and Erica's defense. Well, I I think there is you know explaining the misconceptions. I shall use that phrase, explain the misconceptions. <laughs> and I, You're so polite. <laughs> yes. So I think I think there's huge value to explaining the misconceptions. However, what I observe you doing is putting ten times more energy into actually building them, yeah. actually using them documenting and educating folks on how to build them and use them with your DVDs, with this video series at YouTube, with all of the conversation on permies.com and other places, you know, that may or may not want to be named, like Reddit, you know. So, <laughs> but 
uh, all the education, all the conversations, the innovators event every fall here at Wheaton Labs where you are trying to get the world's top rocket mass heater innovators here innovating, trying things. You, the, you provide a rocket mass heater playground with anything they want to build with pretty much. I mean, almost, within reason. But, and, and, other people get to come and play with the innovators and build things, and it's a huge expense. I'm your bookkeeper, and yeah. I've tried to say, maybe do this every other year. Have we had have we had a rocket mass heater <laughs> event where we didn't run in the red? I don't think so. I think the first one we ran ten thousand dollars in the red. Well, and at least now we're like looking at two thousand dollars in the red. I, I think the only was it last year we didn't have one. I don't know. And the only reason was because you had that spinal cord injury. But I've tried to say, maybe not do them every year. Maybe do them every other year because of the finances and the energy behind it. And you've said, no, no, we need this kind of development with the rocket mass heater technology happening. We need this happening. And and at the event and online and with anybody who will listen, you have been saying, we need to get this solution out there more. So so it's a tagline from your daily email, you know, instead of pointing fingers at bad guys, it's, you know, finding solutions, doing good works. Rather than being angry at bad guys, That's it. Right. Uh, build good things. Build good things rather than being angry at bad guys. I know but, the words escape. Uh, or learn good things rather than being yes. angry at bad guys. But it's kind of like um, uh, it's the, the the thing I was trying to say was is that the function of these videos is dominantly so that if somebody listening to this podcast happens to have a regional permaculture mailing list or something like that, and somebody stands up and says, rocket mass heaters are stupid because... Well, it turns out I now have a video that responds to that. <laughs> right. And so you could just post the video. You don't have to get into some sort of psychotic debate with a psychotic right. dumb fuck. Instead, you just politely post it. So that way you don't get kicked off the list like I got kicked <laughs> off the list for making it clear that this individual was a dumb fuck. What a stark raving dumb fuck. And, and, and it's like, uh, I, I basically, I made it into a mathematical proof of not just is he a dumb fuck, but how much of a dumb fuck he is. And how Ernie and Erica are awesome, and he's a dumb fuck. And then he kept trying to respond with dumb fuckery, and I kept taking that and breaking that down into how much of a dumb fuck he is. Also, so basically, apparently, whoever runs the list got felt like that was just too much of a bloodletting. Um, and but that guy would not let up. Oh, I did not know you wanted to go into that. I didn't further know further detail. I didn't know I wanted to go into that either. I thought but, we were wrapping things up, and I was trying to wrap up on a high note. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm willing to travel these lower roads. <laughs> That's where you get all the good fishing. Okay. <laughs> it's on the low roads. This is me. Face. Those high roads don't have any fishing. <laughs> this is me, face yeah. palming. Okay. So, 
the key is is that I, I think that the video series makes it really convenient for when because in order I feel like we have the innovators event we have these, these wonderful brilliant people working hard and there's such an exchange of information between them yeah. that it really uh, improves the forward velocity of rocket mass heaters in a dramatic way yeah um but it's kind of like uh, um, my responsibility. I mean, even though I count as an innovator, I might be number ten in the world of innovators mm-hmm. for the for the things I've brought to the table. Um, uh, my job is to get the word out, to convey this information about rocket mass heaters. So when I see that it's like it's the information hasn't gotten out very far, then I get concerned and I have to go look at it and figure out like why. Why? Why? And why are people? I mean, this should be setting the world in a way on fire. The the world <laughs> should be crazy about rocket mass heaters. People should be as enthusiastic about rocket mass heaters as the Tesla electric vehicle, um, and they're not. There's, I mean, I imagine that for every person that knows about rocket mass heaters, there are a thousand people that know about. Tesla electric cars, and it should be one for one. Um, and so, why, why, why? I think that rocket mass heaters do more for the environment than a Tesla electric vehicle. And so, um, why? Yeah. And so, I think that it's the dumb fuckery is playing a large role. I mean, before there was the the Tesla Roadster. People, the general public, were convinced that electric vehicles could not go over 40 miles an hour and that they had a range of 40 miles. And it's, it had nothing to do with the, with the technology and everything to do with government limitations. And nobody had the big bucks to go in and get big testing done. Now, I don't, I don't know. Has, has, you know, Tesla spent money on marketing? I'm not sure, but I think that rocket mass heaters are fucking awesome on their own and they don't need marketing and and on top of that you know who am i kidding we're we're all working on a shoestring here um to to get this stuff out there but you know it should take off it should do great and we got to find out in fact if you're listening to this podcast there's a thread on permies where this podcast is posted i would like to see feedback on how do we get the word out more on rocket mass heaters or what is making it so that everybody's not jumping on rocket mass heaters? What's the holdup? What's gumming up the works? Why isn't the world talking about rocket mass heaters a thousand times more than they are now? I'm curious. And a lot of the reasons I'm aware of or that I might think of are actually addressed in your video series. So I'm not going to bring them up here. So it might make sense to look at that video series first, if if you're inclined, before replying to this. Because I think, you know, the group of the innovators went into great, great detail about a lot of these issues in those in those. Uh, in the Miss series, maybe I need to um, be on like more podcasts and radio shows and stuff about Rocket Mass Eaters. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what needs to happen next. All right. <laughs> I'm, I know you are. Look at you. You're looking at your phone like you're ready. You're chomping a bit, ready it's, to go. It's year end, and I have accounting issues for all my accounting clients. Okay. So. If you like this sort of thing. 
come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about rocket mass heaters, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.